Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. And when he had made a whip of cord, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers of money and overturned their tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Here we see our Lord Jesus Christ. Coming into the temple in Jerusalem at the time of, of the Passover feast. And the Lord entered the temple. But what the Lord saw was very, very disappointing. The Bible said that when he got in there, Jesus Christ was expecting to participate in the feast of Pentecost. When he was in there, he was expecting to offer sacrifice. He was expecting to pray, expecting to fellowship with his father. But to the surprise of our Lord Jesus Christ, he met businessmen and merchants trading inside the temple. Instead of a focus on the Lord in the temple, you'll find that they were focusing on making money inside the temple. Instead of prayer, they were exchanging payments and exchanging money. And that was seriously disappointing to the Almighty God when he got there. And he entered into the temple and said, what is this? This is not how a church should be. This is not how the temple of the Almighty God should be. So the first thing you see was a disappointing expectation. Of the Almighty God. The next thing you will notice is that the Lord God Almighty, when he entered into the temple, the next thing you saw was that the Lord Almighty had what is called a very, very disappointing expectation. He had a very disturbing experience. And that disturbing experience was that it's not only the fact that the, the temple was crowded, not only the fact that people were buying and selling. The issue here was that the ministers were involved. He found ministers merchandising. And the church members were busy trading, buying and selling back and forth. He saw that the house of prayer has become a place of business. And that sight was so disturbing that Jesus Christ decided to do something about it. So we see our Lord's experience in the temple was not only disappointing, it was also disturbing. But most importantly, Jesus Christ made a determined response. He said, we are not going to allow this situation to remain like this. The Bible says in verse number 15, he said, he made a whip of cord. And he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the money changers' money and overturned their table. In other words, Jesus saw what was going on in the temple and he was not happy with it. And he wanted to do something about it. And he did something by chasing out the people who were causing this particular defilement of the temple. And the question is, why was our Lord so upset at the condition of the temple? Why was he overturning table and driving out the money changers. Why was he so disturbed by what he saw in the temple? 
Now for you to understand what was happening in the case of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why he reacted the way he did. For you to understand why he was overturning tables and driving out the money changers. You must first understand one thing. That at a time when Jesus went into the temple. The Passover celebration was required for all Jews. In other words, all throughout the land of Israel. When it came for the time of Passover, everybody must show up. So they were supposed to be there. That was the first thing you realize. And as part of the celebration of the Passover, everyone who comes was supposed to offer a Passover offering. And the animal that will be offered must be pure. It must have no blemish in it. And for the people to make sure that they offered a perfect sacrifice, the priest will inspect the animal, making sure that it doesn't have any kind of defect, any kind of blemish. And then someone had to examine that animal to make sure it was perfect. And to make sure that the people had the perfect animal, there was this stand there where you have the animals. Those who are selling those for people who cannot afford an animal, they had all those things ready for the people. The merchant set up shop inside the temple to make sure that the perfect animals was available for people. And as you will expect, those animals became what? They became more expensive because they are right there in the temple. The people had to pay much more for those particular animals. Every Jewish adult had to participate in the Passover feast. That's the first thing that was going on. The second thing that was going on was that because they had to participate, they had to do what? They had to provide a good and a perfect animal. Not only that, the people that came for the feast also must give what is called a temple tax. You must pay a temple tax. At the time, the Jewish authorities collected a temple tax on every adult that came for that particular ceremony. And that one is actually in the Bible. Because if you go to the book of Exodus chapter 30, the Bible tells us that. That is what everyone among you who are numbered shall give. A half a shekel. According to the shekel of the sanctuary. A half a shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. So it was what was collected for the temple upkeep. So everyone who came to that temple at that time had to pay a temple tax. But the interesting thing about this temple tax at this time was that it has to be paid using Holy money. Not just your year money. It has to be holy. Now you will ask, why does it have to be a holy money? It is holy because the leaders of the temple believe that the money that is being given, because it has touched the hand of people who are unholy, what happened? That money is no longer holy. So to make the money holy, you have to go and change the money in the hand of the money changer. That's how the money changers got into the temple. Because you have to make it holy. You have to make it look beautiful. So the whole idea now is that the money changers had to get into the temple to make the money holy. So for the tax to be accepted, you have to give it using the holy temple coin. And those temple coins can only be gotten by the money changers. So that was the scheme that was going on in the temple. You have to have a perfect animal and you have to have holy money to be able to offer. That's a very, very good deal for the Pharisees because these are the guys who are making money. So our Lord saw all these things happening as he entered the temple. And that made his spirit to be grieved. Going back to the question, why was the Lord angry? The Lord was angry. The Lord began to throw away the money changers table because the temple that was supposed to be reserved for the things of God was now being desecrated. That was why he was angry. This was a place where they are supposed to be having prayer. But now the money changers, the people who are buying and selling, they are taking over the temple that the temple is not desecrated. That was one of the reasons why he was angry. Number two, why was the Lord overturning tables and driving out the money changer? He was doing so because of the perversion of true worship. 
True worship of God is not in the things that you bring. It is in the heart with which you make the offering. Yes, it is required that you present a perfect offering. But the Lord was not going to put a burden upon his people because they are coming to worship. They have now made it about the sacrifice instead of the person that has been sacrificed to. And Jesus saw this and said, number one, you are desecrating the temple. Number two, you are perverting the true worship. And number three, you are commercializing the temple. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21 verse 13, he said, he said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. In other words, you are taking advantage of the people. You are stealing from the people. You are overpricing them because you are selling unto them whatever you call the perfect sacrifice. You have not commercialized the temple and that was why Jesus was grieved and he was sending people out of the temple. And finally, Jesus drove out the money changers out of the temple because of the systematic robbery that was going on. You see, you have made it a den of thieves. You have made the temple to become a place where people can take advantage of my people. Where some merchants can begin to take advantage of the people of God. You say you have made it a den of thieves. It has now become a systematic robbery. You have now invited people who have no business inside the temple. You have invited them in to take advantage of my people. That was why Jesus began to overturn their table and drive them out from the temple. And these were the things that the Lord Almighty learned. And the Bible told us in verse number 15 of John chapter 2, He said that he made weep, of course, and drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned their table. In other words, Jesus could no longer stand what he was seeing. Jesus could no longer tolerate what was going on. And he was determined to do something about it. And he did something about it. That was the story then. Like I tell you, anytime you read the scripture, we begin to ask ourselves, is this the real problem? From my point of view, that is not the real problem. Because what is interesting to me is that the people did not complain. The Bible did not record that the people were complaining. That they were coming to the temple and doing buying and selling in the temple. The people did not complain. They seemed to be fine with the arrangement. Everybody seemed to be happy with what the leaders have put in place. Because of the convenience, they have no issue with what was done. Even as they were being robbed by the merchants, they had no problem with it. Nobody challenged the authority. Nobody seems to care about the chaotic situation of the temple. If you look at when the temple was being built, there was a specific instruction as to where things are supposed to be. This is now upside down and nobody cared. And the Bible tells us something very interesting in scripture. Jeremiah chapter 5, if you read beginning from verse number 30, the Bible says, A wonderful and a horrible thing is committed in the land. He said, the prophets prophesy falsely. The priests bear rule by their own means. And my people love to have it so. What will you do in the end thereof? In other words, the prophets tell you that this is what the Lord said. When the Lord has not said anything. He said the priests bear their rule by their own means. In other words, they simply do whatever they like. But the sad part of what is happening is that my people love to have it like that. They don't complain. They just take it like that. Pastors come and tell them all sorts of stories. They take it like that. The church cannot do whatever they want to do. They take it like that. Things happen that is contrary to the word of God and our people. The people of God, they never challenge it. In other words, in the midst of all this chaos, 
in the midst of all the disorder that was going on in the temple, the people were just satisfied. That is where the problem is. They did not seem to be bothered. And the unfortunate thing is that the people, they just love to have it so. That's what the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 5 verse 31. That people love to have it so. Now, as terrible as the situation is, that is not the problem like I said earlier on. The fact that the merchants were in the temple where they were not supposed to be, that was not the issue. The fact that they were buying and selling, that was not the issue. The real issue is, how did they get there in the first place? Who gave them the permission to come in in the first place? How did they get to start selling inside the temple? It is one thing for them to sell outside. It's another thing for them to come inside the church and start selling. How did they get inside the church in the first place? Where were the ministers of the church when these people were coming and taking over the church? How did the merchant find their way into the church? And in our own life, the real issue is not the behavior of our children. The real issue is not the condition of our home, the condition of our family, or the condition of our lives. That's not the real issue. The real issue is how did we get to where we got to? How did our children get to the place where they got to? How did our finances get to the way it got to? How did our marriage, our relationship, our business, our career, every area of our life, how did it get to the way it got to? That is the real problem. The people in the days of our Lord Jesus Christ, when they were coming into the temple, they were doing whatever they want. How did the merchant find their way into the temple? That is the real question. Somebody must have invited them. Somebody must have given them access. Marriage don't just disintegrate. Children don't just become whatever they are. Businesses don't just fail. Careers don't just fail. People don't just not give you promotion. Something must have happened. What is it that happened? That is the question. And until we identify the real problem, you may not be able to solve the issues that we're facing in life. And so the issue that the Lord Jesus Christ was facing was not the fact that these people were in the temple. It was the fact that they were in the temple in the first place. Who allowed them? How did they get to the temple? And so the question we cannot ignore this morning is what happened? How did the Martian find their way into the temple in Jerusalem? And by extension, how did the merchants in our own lives find their way into our lives, into our family, into our business? Someone once said that when Christianity started, Christianity started as an experience. You have to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ and God does something in your heart and then you became a Christian. That's how it started. But when Christianity got to Rome, it became a tradition. What our fathers did. So it moved from experience and became a tradition. When Christianity expanded throughout the whole of Europe, it went from being a tradition into an institution. They started building big houses, big churches that we still see today that have become museums that nobody goes into. So it went from experience to tradition and then to institution. And then beautifully when it came to America, guess what it became? It became a business. It became an enterprise. Where you begin to buy and to sell. And begin to buy and to sell. But the foundation of Christianity still remains the same. It still has to be an experience. Somebody must have allowed the merchants to come into the church. Somebody must have thought it was a good idea. To have the cattle and the cow and the goats and the sheep very close to the door. Eventually when the priest was in a hurry. And he wanted to do about five sacrifices in 10 minutes. It was going to take too long to cross the street. So he let them bring them inside the church. So they brought them in. And as they were coming in, 
they were finding that it was becoming too crowded, very close to the entrance. He said, no, why don't you just carve a small space for them inside the church? So they carved a small space for them in the church. And then before you know what's happening, they said, this place is too small. Let's enlarge it. And before you know what, the foyer was taking over. And then the church was taking over. And then everything became the merchant's business. When the church got to America, it became a business. So that is what you see. And there was this particular French man that came to the U.S. Surveying America. And this man wrote something about the democracy in America. His name is Alexis de Tocqueville. And Alexis de Tocqueville says something about the nation that is about to die. And this saying can be extended to a church that is about to die. This man said, because Roman civilizations perished through barbarian invasion, we are perhaps too much inclined to think that that is the only way that civilization can die. He said, if the light that guides us ever goes out, they will fade little by little, as if of their own accord. We therefore should not console ourselves by thinking that the barbarians are still far off. Some people let the torch be snatched from their hands, but others stamp it out by themselves. What does that mean? What it simply means is what the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 22. In verse number 28, the Bible says, Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set in place. In other words, the standard of the word of God, when you start playing with it, when you start taking away, when you start dancing around that standard, when you start compromising that standard, what you are doing is that you are gradually turning off the light in your own life. You are gradually turning off the light in your own family. You are gradually turning off the light even in the church. And before you know what's happening, you will think it's the devil coming from the outside. You will not know that you have been working for the devil all along. And so de Tocqueville says, because Roman civilization perished through barbarian invasion, many of us always think that only invasion, only an outside influence can destroy the things that God has given unto us. But that's what many of us think. If you ask them, what happened to the family? What happened to our finances? Because here is the work of the devil. And you know, the way you eventually get to heaven, the devil will say, oh boy, this one you did, it was you who did it Oh, I have no business in this one. Because most of the time, we are always inclined to believe it's an external factor that makes us to do what we do. But this man, the Tocqueville is saying, if the light that guides us goes out, it is because it's been fading little by little. Little by little. And that's what the writer of the Songs of Solomon was saying. He said, little, little foxes do what? Destroy the vine. It's little by little that we compromise. Little by little that we give up the light. Little by little do we allow some of the things that God has put in our life to go away. And that is what the writer of the book of Proverbs is saying. He said, remove not the ancient landmark. Don't play with them. Don't move this fence. Don't change the standard. Don't begin to redefine the things that God has written in his word. As soon as you begin to do that. The light that God has given unto us that has guided us for all these centuries will eventually be what? We begin to fade away. And as it fades away, we end up in a situation that we don't want. The merchants will end up inside our own temple if we allow the light to fade away. So back to the question that we're dealing with. How did the merchants find their way into the church? My brothers and sisters, the merchants entered the church and took over the temple when we lost our focus from God to other things. When the attention is taken away from the presence of the Almighty God 
and the attention is put on something else, the merchants will come in. Look at what happened to Peter. The Bible says Jesus was walking on the water. And when Peter saw Jesus, Peter said, Joe, if it is you, let me walk on the water. And what happened? Peter actually walked on water. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, that was the only other person that walked on water. And the Bible says he was walking on the water. He was focused on Jesus. But he said, as soon as he turned his eyes away from Jesus and began to look at the boisterous sea, which was there before already, as soon as he started looking away from Jesus, the Bible says he started sinking. And that is the same thing that happens in our lives, the same thing that happens in our business, the same thing that happens in our family, in every area of our life. When focus is lost, the merchants will come into the temple. Number two, the merchants came into the temple when the purpose becomes uncertain. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you read from verse number 8, it says, If the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for battle? In other words, when you don't know what the purpose of anything is, when we do not understand the reason why we are serving the Lord, when we do not understand the reason why we are doing what we are doing, we will end up doing the things that will not glorify the name of the Lord. We will end up acting in a way that is inconsistent with the things that we profess. And that's why somebody will say, I believe in God. And they will be acting totally opposite the same faith that is professing. Somebody will say, yes, I belong to God. I have prayed. I know that God is going to answer me. And yet, he's doing everything that is contrary to his own prayer. So the merchants come in, number one, when we lose our focus. Merchants come in when our purpose is uncertain. Merchants come in when worship becomes self-centered. When instead of worshipping God, we're worshipping ourselves. When we become the center of the universe, instead of the almighty God being the center of the universe, what will happen is that you will begin to find all sorts of things will come in. That was what happened to Lucifer. Lucifer said, I was going to exalt myself. I'm going to sit upon the high heavens. I'm going to be like the almighty God. And before you know what was happening, all sorts of nonsense entered into his life. A cherub that was created, well built, that had music built onto him. And before you know what happened, because self-focus became the object of worship, he lost all the glory that God has given unto him. When we as an individual, when we as a church, when we as a family begin to lose our focus, when we begin to focus on ourselves, when we come to church, what they said that hurt my feeling, it hurt my self-esteem, it hurt my whatever, it hurt my dad. If it is me, me, and me, and me alone, you will find out that the merchants will come in and they will settle down. How did the merchants come in? The merchants entered and took over the temple. When we become seeker-sensitive instead of God-sensitive. You know, have this seeker-sensitive mentality. We want to be like the world. We care so much about what the world is saying. We care so much to be loved by the world. We want to appear like the world. We want to sing like the world, dress like the world, behave like the world. And you will find out that we want to be like the world so much that we end up not looking like God at all. I mean, it's always amazing how the mind of man works. You belong to a particular group. And that group has a code of conduct. And yet you want to take the code of conduct of another group and impose it on the group that you belong. I don't understand it. In your own house, do you insist that they follow the rules of another man's house? No. If you do that in your house, people will look at you as if something is wrong with you. But that is exactly what we want to do in the house of God. 
You want to take the standard that is out there, the standard that the enemy has defined, and want to impose it upon the church because you say we want to make ourselves more seeker sensitive. And in the process, you become less God sensitive. When God is speaking, we don't even hear it anymore. When God is instructing, we don't even follow it anymore because we are so focused on what the outside is doing that we are not focusing on what God is doing. And then finally, the merchants entered and took over the temple when we no longer preach repentance from sin, but we now emphasize the therapy of sin. Have you noticed this day nobody is a sinner anymore? Everybody has a therapy issue. It is not your fault now. It is the fault of your parents. They did not hug you enough. It is the fault of your environment. They did not affirm you enough. It is because of one particular person somewhere. That's why you are doing what you are doing. Nobody has a responsibility for anything anymore. When there's an absence of the preaching of true repentance and the emphasis on the therapy of sin, the merchants will come in and they are going to have a field day. So that is what happened. That's how those people got inside there. We lost our focus. The people in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ lost the focus on the Almighty God and the purpose for which the temple was built. They now became so self-focused in their worship that they forgot about the Almighty God. They become so sick and sensitive. They wanted to cater to the people that were coming that they forgot about what the Almighty God actually required from them. And my brothers and sisters, if this situation continues for a long time, just like it did in the temple in Jerusalem at that time, the temple was destroyed. If that same situation continues in our own individual life, when the merchant continues to occupy our own temple, the same problem is going to be seen in our lives. And like I said, if that situation persists, the first thing you are going to see is that true encounter with the Almighty God will be lost. In other words, people will go to church, but they will have no encounter with the Lord. They will pray, but their prayer is not going beyond their ceiling. Fresh encounter from the Almighty Lord. True encounter with the Lord will be lost if you continue to allow the merchants to remain in your temple. Number two, if you allow the merchant to continue to stay in your temple, there is going to be what is called a lifeless worship that is void of any encounter. Yes, you are singing praising the Lord always, but in your heart you know you are not praising anything. Yes, we are talking about the goodness of the Almighty God, but you are not going to experience it. Yes, we are singing about the mercy of the Almighty God, but we know deep inside our heart that the mercy of the Almighty God is far from all. When we allow the merchants to remain, and if the merchants continue to remain in the temple of our lives, worship will become lifeless and void. And then finally, life will appear totally meaningless. Because the Bible tells us a vanity upon vanity all is vanity. Without the Almighty God, everything we do is a waste of time. So the question is, how do you expel the merchants occupying our temple and reclaim the temple back to the Almighty God? How do you do it? How do you reclaim the temple? How do you expel that particular merchant? You expel the merchant by what I refer to, the first step will be through a process of reawakening. Joel chapter 2. If you read from verse number 1, it says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound the alarm in my holy mountains. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is near at hand. In other words, as long as you allow the merchants to remain in the temple of our life, the judgment of the Almighty God is at hand. As long as we allow the merchants to continue to do business, you will find that the presence of the Almighty God is about to depart. And the Lord is saying that the only way you get rid of the merchants, the only way you reclaim back the temple, is through number one, reawakening. Blow the trumpet in Zion. 
Awaken thou that sleep. So that you can begin to see that your salvation draws near. Number two, there has to be a re-examination. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 tells us, Examine yourself whether you are in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not yourself how the Lord Jesus Christ is in you? Except you be reprobates. In other words, it's not enough to reawake, to sound the alarm. You have to examine and evaluate yourself and say, Lord, what is going on? Where are these particular merchants coming from? What have I done? What doors have I opened to allow these merchants to come in? And then you now begin to do a work of reinstatement. Verse number 15 of Joel chapter 2 tells us, there's a blowing trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth from office chambers and the bride out of her closet. In other words, there has to be a process of engagement. You cannot get rid of the merchants in our lives by just simply talking to them. Jesus had to make a whip and with force and violence had to get those things out of the temple. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.